0: Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. All right, we uh, continue uh, in our series today talking about the genius of uh, generosity. And uh, remember, what we're trying to do in this series is just... Uh, take you into some uh, solid, strong biblical teaching about generosity and about our resources and obviously also about our money. What we're not doing in this series is we're not trying to guilt you. Uh, We're not trying to motivate you to give more. Uh, Yes, we are going to ask for a sacrificial gift from you uh, for our ministry expansion on the 22nd, so you know that's coming. Hope you're praying about that already. Uh, But it's not about trying to conjole you. Uh, into something. It is about just sharing with you these truths uh, from Scripture because Jesus spent a lot of time uh, dealing with the arena of money and resources because he knew the power uh, that they have. And so we're just trying to share with you these things so that you can just discover the incredible genius that Scripture has around this whole arena of generosity. Okay, And so last week uh, week one, we looked at generosity and said, you know what, generosity is just uh, smart. It's smart uh, because it brings you a whole lot of joy uh, into your life. Those that found cards uh, last week, that was fun, wasn't it? I hope you used those cards, had a good joyful time buying somebody else a cup of coffee or whatever, but uh, just some joy, right? We also said it's going to move you from an attitude of scarcity to an attitude of prosperity, Right? It's going to help you focus on what really matters uh, in life. It's going to give you vision clarity, not double vision, but single vision clarity on the kingdom. Uh, and it's going to draw you closer uh, to Christ, to your master, one master. It's going to draw you closer uh, to him. And so we ended with kind of the challenge, be a joy genius. Pretty good summary? Gosh, I could have cut that sermon in half last week, huh? Yeah, there you go. No, I couldn't. Here we go. So today, we're going to advance and talk about the genius of generosity, that is being generosity uh, managers, right? And I want to introduce you right away to a couple generosity managers here at uh, Christ Church. It's Ryan and Lisa, uh, and what they're going to share with you is something that they shared with us two years ago. Okay, you need to remember that reality, that date. This is something they shared with Christ Church about uh, just coming to understand uh, the radical power of generosity uh, in their life and being generosity managers. So meet uh, Ryan We've and met Lisa. Each other.
1: What generosity looked like for me was um, just
0: helping out in the church where I
1: could, and then um, giving occasionally.
2: Mine was the same way, um, volunteering where I could, and I would say tithing was not a priority, and I didn't feel like I could tithe, to be honest.
1: <laughs> Once we got married, we um, we decided we we're going to sit down. And look at our finances and decide, you know, uh, what we were going to do about tithing and just what was important to each of us. And uh, um, the way the wedding planning was going, just everything that was kind of falling into place that um, we realized it was God at work in our life. And uh, we decided that we were going to um, honor what He's told us to do and give back that 10% that uh, that He's already given to us. Some people, they don't think about how God's going to give back to them. And sometimes there's some ways that we don't we don't think about you
2: know. I don't think there's anything right now that would make us really stop being generous and tithing. I mean, we've seen so much just in the few years that we've been tithing. I mean, it, it's a pretty high priority for us.
0: Um. Okay, Ryan and Lisa, a couple of generosity managers, right with the Discover. Well, they wrestled through and they asked, answered an important question about their prosperity. It's a question that's found in uh, Luke 12. It's one of the parables uh, that Jesus uh, tells. I referred to it uh, last week. This week we're going to get into that parable a little deeper. Um, And it's a question uh, that uh, is for all of us, right? It's at the end of this text. It says Jesus is telling them a story. It's about a rich man who had a fertile farm and it produced a lot of fine crops. And so the guy said to himself, what should I do? Good question. What should I do? what should I do about this prosperity uh, that is coming into uh, my life? Ryan and Lisa had to answer that question. What, what should we do? Who are we? How do we do this? What, what should we do about this prosperity that is coming into uh, our lives? This fellow had that question. He has this great bumper crop. He has incredible prosperity that's just poured on him. And so he a- asked the question, what should I do? Now, we got to be careful when we Answer this question. Because how we see ourselves and how we see what we're about in life will influence how we answer the question. So this guy begins answering the question. He answers the question with an assumption. The assumption is it's all his. Notice in the text, I don't have room for all. You can say the word my when we hit it, okay? You ready? I don't have room uh, for all my crops. Then he said, I'll tear down barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all wheat and other goods. What was his assumption? That it was all his, right? His assumption was, well, it's all mine, right? Uh, Parents, you know this assumption that we make in our old self. Take one toy, two kids, put them in a room. What happens? Right? Eventually, somebody in that room says, it's... Mine, exactly right, right? They don't think about the reality that, well, mom and dad bought the toy, mom and dad carted it in the house, mom and dad probably put it in the room in front of them, right? And mom and dad will just settle the dispute once, <laughs> right? They don't think about where it came from, how it got there, whatever. They just see it, they get it, they receive it, and they say it is mine. See, this is the assumption. Is the assumption it's all Mine. It's followed quickly by a second assumption. Not only is it all mine, but it's all for me. It's all mine and it's all for me. He says, well, I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, ho ho, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry, huh? Wow. This guy says it's all mine and its purpose, the purpose of the generosity that's come into his life, is to serve him, right? Now, understand, there's nothing wrong with eat, drinking, and being merry. I've been doing a little bit too much of that uh, lately, I'll admit, right? Got to get on that treadmill. But not, there's nothing wrong with eat, drinking, and being merry. That is, God wants to give us abundant life. Jesus said this, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, right? He wants, God wants us to have abundant life. He wants to prosper us. He wants to be generous in our life. We're going to talk about all that next week, okay? So come back next week. We're going to answer those questions. We're going to talk about prosperity, God's wants uh, in our life next week. So, But just for today, no, This he wants to do this uh, in our lives. The problem is, How do we see ourselves, and how do we see what he gives us? The assumption, it's mine. The assumption, it's all for me. Jesus responds to these two assumptions. But God said to him, what? You fool. Right away, Jesus looks at the two assumptions and says, if these are your assumptions right if this is the way you see your prosperity in your life then you're just being foolish that's just that's these are foolish assumptions and if that's what's driving your life then then it's just foolish you're making a huge mistake it's just being foolish right you fool you'll die this very night and then he asks a second question a really really important question he says then who will get everything You work for? What is he asking? What is your prosperity really all about? Is it possible that your prosperity is about something bigger and greater than yourself? Thank you. (laughs) Totally, i got a head shake on that one. (laughs) Uh, I take an amen, but uh, that's okay. (laughs) But, right, that is a profound question, right? This guy was living a foolish life because he assumed it was all his, it was all for him, and what did he run out of? Time. You fool. Tonight, your very life is required of you, and you will die. Really? Is your prosperity simply all about you? Or could it be, is it possible that your prosperity is about something bigger and greater than yourself? Jesus answers that question. Simple word. He says, yes, it is. (laughs) Right? That's the head nod. Yes, yes, it is about something bigger and greater than yourself. A person is a fool to store up wealth for themselves. A person is a fool to think it's all about you, it's all yours, and it's all for you. That's just foolish. No. The greater wisdom, right? The genius, the people that are really smart, they answer the question to understand. Wealth, earthly wealth, is one thing, but not being rich with a relationship with God is something completely more important. That our prosperity... Our prosperity isn't just about taking care of ourselves. Our prosperity is connected to something bigger and greater than ourselves. Now, we should know that. If you're already a Christ follower, you've been digging into the Word already, there's Jesus has a lot to say about this, right? And He gives us warnings. I'm only going to show you a few. He gives us warnings about that guy's foolish attitude, Right? Uh, he warns us about we, what, what, we, what I call, others call, the consumption assumptions. Those first two things, right? It's all here for us to consume, right? He calls it greed. Heard that word before? He calls it greed, right? Jesus replied, friend. Uh, this is a guy, a young guy comes to him and says, hey, uh, my brother is not sharing My half of the inheritance with me, you know, dad died. My brother's not giving me my money. Jesus, you need to talk to my brother and tell him to give me my money. By the way, how many families have had trouble when somebody dies over money? It's powerful stuff. Jesus is trying to get, this guy's trying to draw Jesus into the conflict. Jesus says, Fran, wait, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, great warning, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now we know this. We make jokes about this, right? Uh, We say things like, Hey, guess what's never uh, being followed behind a hearse? The joke is what's never behind a hearse is a U-Haul. Somebody at 8 o'clock said a Brinks truck. (laughs) Never heard that one. But uh, I like that one too, right? Hearse... Doesn't have a U-Haul, doesn't have a ring truck. You get the point, right? See, see, we kind of know this, but do we live this? We we kind of know this, but do we live this? Jesus is giving us a warning saying, man, take this seriously in your life. Because this greed thing, this money thing, this is dangerous and powerful stuff. It can choke you out. He uses that same example in the parable of the sower, right? Those Christ followers know that parable where where the guy's sowing seed out there and the seed represents God's Word and it's falling on all different kinds of soils, right? And one of the soils it falls on, it says, The seed fell among the thorns, representing others who hear God's Word, what we're doing today. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by what? The worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. You see, if you buy into assumptions, consumption, assumption, you're choking out the possibility of fruit, of what God can do in your life. Do you understand? So take this seriously. Don't choke this word out. This is important, important stuff for us. You get in Hebrews, it says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have For God has said, What? I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Where is our security? Our security is not in our prosperity. Our security is in our relationship with Christ. That's just what Jesus said at the end of the parable, isn't it? Listen, you get all this, put your trust in the earthly wealth, but you don't have this relationship with God. What are you thinking? That's foolish. Our security is in our relationship with Christ. Because He has already done everything for us. He is our wealth. He is our richness. right? He already did everything for us. He gave up the riches of the kingdom of heaven to be one with us. He poured out the wealth of His very blood in order to achieve forgiveness for each one of us. He laid down His life, gave up absolutely everything Everything that he was, has, he gave up everything. Why? So that you could experience life and have it abundantly. Our wealth is not in our things. Our wealth is in Christ. Therefore, our lives, if we're a Christ follower, right? If we're already there and say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Our lives shift in how we understand prosperity. It's not mine. It's not here for me. Instead, it shifts. It's His. He owns it, and we manage it. He owns it. We just manage it. It's in the psalm. Psalm 24 says what? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. How big is everything? Everything would be everything, right? (laughs) Everything would be everything, right? The psalmist is reminding us it's not ours, We don't own it. Who owns it? He owns it. What's the miracle? Well, He lends it to us. Broken, incompetent, selfish people. Reclaimed in the wealth of Christ. He lends prosperity to us to manage. He owns it. We manage it. It is for us to make that transition in how we see ourselves in relationship to the things and prosperity in our lives. We are managers. The Apostle Paul, incredible guy, right? Incredible guy for the kingdom. Knew the wealth of the richness of relationship with Christ. He saw himself as a servant and a manager. Okay? You can see it here in 1 Corinthians Paul says, so look at Apollos and me, both of us. Look at Apollos and me as mere, what? Servants of Christ. What did Paul understand about himself? Life was not about him. Life was about Christ. He is just a servant of Christ. He's a servant of Christ who's put in charge of explaining God's minis- min- mysteries right Jesus has in his Jesus's prosperity lent to Paul some extraordinary truth right he is put in charge of explaining God's mysteries now a person who is put in charge as a manager see it as a manager must be faithful when Paul looked in the mirror did he see himself as an owner or a manager total manager Servant of Christ, wealthy in Christ, and a manager of everything God was bringing into his life. That's what it is for us. That's what it is. We, servants, Christ followers, servants of Christ, we manage what he pours into us. Here's the great generosity insight for today. Ready? We manage his gifts for his eternal purposes. We are managers. He is the owner. We are managers. And we manage what he pours into our lives around his desire and his purpose. It's what we call kingdom management. Uh, i give you a little secret. Sometimes I, I call folks at work. Uh, you know, they're in their job, and I, I need to talk to them. And so I kind of interrupt their work life a little bit. And I call, and I'm always kind of uncomfortable when the, the person answers the phone and says, you know, who should I tell them uh, is calling? And you know it's kind of like uh, their pastor, you know, because I don't, you know, oh, oh, the pastor's calling, you know, I, you know it's just kind of un- uncomfortable with that, right? So I do this little game. I play this little game. So if you get my call, this happens. You know, it's me, okay? So I play this little game with them. I say, well, it's uh, Robert, sir, and they say, oh, okay, and uh, what company are you with? I say, Kingdom International. <laughs> Is that cool? Yeah. So if you get a call from Kingdom International. <laughs> Me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know what that meant, but it's good. Anyway, but it's kingdom management, right? That's where all in. We're all employed at Kingdom International, right? It's kingdom management. Jesus tells another story in Luke 16. This is one of the most misunderstood stories in the whole scripture, right? He tells a story about this steward and the steward gets in trouble because he's not managing the the rich man's stuff the way he should. Right? It says one day a report came. The manager who's wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in. And he said, "What the heck is going on? You're not managing this responsibly. I get a report on you. Therefore, you are going to be fired." Now, all so far it sounds reasonable, good, right? But what's the manager do? Jesus, the guy says, "What am I going to do? I can't dig ditches." So he calls in his his owners, uh, the people that owe money or resources to his owner, right? He calls those people and he says to one guy, listen, you owe uh, 800 gallons of oil. Take your bill and write 400. You only owe 400. Calls another guy and he says, you owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. Take your bill and write 800. Save 200. Take your bill and write 800. Now, if you're one of those guys that got called in and got the slash discount, how are you going to feel about that manager? Woo-hoo! Nice guy, right? Right? Now, here's Jesus' assessment of the story and the manager, okay? Here's what he says. The rich man, the owner, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal. So he's saying, look, that's dishonest. What he did was dishonest, this, we that, Right? But there's something in the story he wants us to get, right? He had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here is the lesson. I underlined it. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they'll welcome you to an eternal home. What's the point? It's not mine. It's not for me. It's for me to manage for kingdom's purposes. And that means influencing others about Jesus Christ. Influencing others about the wealth you have in a relationship with Christ. And that wealth is the security of eternity. Would you follow that? That's it. We're managers. He's the owner. He lends it to us for something bigger than ourselves, the kingdom. And our security, our wealth is in Christ's. Our wealth is in Christ's. Christ. So we don't have to worry about the things of this world, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. We don't have to let that stuff dominate our thoughts. That's what non-believers do. We just seek doing kingdom work, seek the kingdom of God above everything else, live righteously, and we trust and know He's going to give us everything we need. He is our wealth. Now, here's what's going to happen. When you trust Him in your prosperity... Right? when you see yourself as a manager and you start managing his resources that he brings into your life, you start managing that for kingdom's purposes, you're also going to find yourself trusting him in so much more. We're just talking about one slice of trust, right, in our prosperity. But what happens when you take the de- make that decision to be a manager and you start employing the resources he prospers you with according to his purpose for kingdom's cause you're going to just trust him to provide for you in all of that you're going to learn and find out you're going to trust him in everything in everything that happens in your life let's meet Ryan and Lisa again these managers that 2 years ago remember decided to say we're going to manage for kingdom's cause remember 2 years later I'm
1: Ryan I'm Lisa Been at Christchurch for about three years?
2: Yeah, about three years now, I think. We went in for the 20-week ultrasound. He had told us that they noticed something with his heart. So it was what they called complete heart block, which is something they said was not fixable. But they said if it was complete heart block, that he either wouldn't make it, throughout the pregnancy or if he did he would be early and he would have to have a pacemaker and typically children like that who have this don't live that long so we had our 20-week appointment on a thursday and then we went the following monday to the pediatric cardiologist yeah it was short but it felt so, like an eternity yeah,
1: yeah it was the longest four days ever
0: Pastor
1: yes. yeah. andrew came by and talked to us about um just something about how people react in different ways in these types of situations. Some people run to God and other people run from God. And um, we kind of discussed it and we're like, do we really want to go? Do we want to talk about it? And uh, we decided we were going to be people that run to God. And um, we felt comfortable with even even our Easter group. We didn't know them as well. But there were a lot of cool people from our typical small groups. And so it was nice and refreshing to kind of go and just open up our hearts to uh, to that group and just um, let them love on us and be a family for us and kind of just help us through that time.
2: It just kind of felt like we had like almost like a big army with us type thing. Like I know it was pretty amazing that that many people were were just praying for us and willing to help out. And I don't know how we would have gotten through it without everybody. The fact that both of us I think went into the cardiologist appointment just so at peace with, you know, whatever she was going to tell us. That's essentially what we were asking for, you know, healing and peace. So we both just went into that appointment expecting the worst and um, actually heard the best news um, that the cardiologist did not hear what the previous doctor had heard. Both of us kind of were just in awe. They couldn't explain why that had happened. So, yeah, it was a
1: pretty amazing day. Yeah, I mean, it makes me excited yeah. about our our future at Christchurch and um, just with everything going on, you look around the church and you see just how many young families we have and the young kids and sure that he's going to be a part of that and to, I mean, in my opinion the best days for Christchurch are ahead of it right now. I mean, you can just see a lot growing right now and um, kind of like the you know, young seedlings, you know, it's just you can tell there's a there's a bright future coming in the for his generation and the kids that will be coming up through Christchurch, so it's exciting to be a part of that. Greater things are coming. coming.
0: So what happened? Two years ago, they decided to trust God in their prosperity, right? Two years later, they were able to trust God in their valley and in their crisis. See how that works? When you trust God in your prosperity, you'll learn... You can trust him in absolutely everything. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks that we can. You are our wealth. You are the riches of heaven poured into our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness he won for us. Thank you that we can we can come and hear his word today, that we can come to his table today and know his love and his grace and his goodness. Thank you that we can trust you not just in our prosperity, but we can trust you in everything. So, Lord, help us to make this shift today. Help us to just do what your word says and uh, see ourselves as managers uh, for kingdom's cause. So encourage us, strengthen us, bless us in this word. Uh, We ask it so humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.